The early months of 1692 had been exceedingly wet in Essex County, Massachusetts. Gusty rainstorms had inundated the region, including Salem, causing flooding and damage to homes, property, and livestock. It was during this particularly chaotic late winter, though, when a different kind of tempest struck. We've spent the last couple of episodes of the Salem Witch Trials podcast addressing various issues relevant to the witch hysteria. The role that the main frontier played, for example, or the evidence that was used in the trials. So in this episode, we want to get back to the chronology of events. And we're going to take this time to tell you about what happened during the remarkable month of March 1692. And we'll be tackling future months in future episodes, so keep an eye out for that. In our second episode, The Afflictions Begin and Accusations Fly, Professor Kathleen Brown addressed how the hysteria began during the first couple of months of 1692, when several girls began experiencing strange fits and behaviors. Eventually, under pressure from adults, they made the first accusations of witchcraft against three women. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichaba. As we discussed in that episode, when the three women were examined by the magistrates, first at Ingersoll's Tavern, and then because the crowd had grown too large to be accommodated at the tavern, in the meeting house down the street, Tichaba's testimony struck like a powerful earthquake. At first, Tichaba, who was an indigenous woman from South America enslaved in Reverend Samuel Paris's household, denied that she was aware of anything wicked. Her examiner, John Hawthorne, the great-great-grandfather of Nathaniel Hawthorne, sternly questioned Tichaba about her alleged involvement in harming the girls. What evil spirit have you familiarity with? Hawthorne asked her at the beginning of her testimony. None, Tichaba replied. Why do you hurt these children? Hawthorne pressed. I do not hurt them, Tichaba responded. But imagine how Tichaba must have felt in that moment. A native South American slave woman being harshly questioned by a stern man of authority, accused of the worst possible crime that a person could commit. A powerless woman surrounded by a growing and angry mob of men, their eyes all trained upon her, hanging on her every word. It did not take long for Tichaba to utter the phrase that must have landed like a ton of bricks for those gathered in the meeting house that dreary day.
Did you never see the devil? Hawthorne asked her. The devil came to me, Tijaba said, and bid me to serve him. In the span of just a few questions, Tichiba began telling Hawthorne, as well as all of the men gathered in the meeting house at that moment, exactly what they wanted to hear. Tichiba explained that Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, as well as another woman and another man whom she did not know, had hurt the children who claimed to be afflicted. Tichibug now admitted to Hawthorne that she had also hurt the children, but she promised to hurt them no more. When Hawthorne pressed Tichibug about who exactly had come to her and asked her to do harm to the children, she gave a response that to our ears sounds nonsensical. Sometimes it is like a hog and sometimes like a great dog, she replied. She also spoke of red and black cats as well as a man accompanied by a yellow bird who offered Tichiba nice things in response for her doing his bidding. He told me he had more pretty things that he would give me if I would serve him, she told Hawthorne. Tichiba then said that she was forced to pinch Elizabeth Hubbard, one of the so-called afflicted girls and that she rode upon a stick to the Putnam house and hurt Anne Putnam Jr., another of the afflicted girls. When asked why she did not tell her master, Reverend Paris, what had happened to her, Tichiba responded that she was afraid they would cut off her head if she told. Tichiba then claimed that she had seen Sarah Osborne, one of the other accused women, turn into various creatures, and that she had also witnessed Sarah Good, the other accused woman, hurt the children as well. Eventually, Tichiba claimed to have suddenly gone blind, which put an end to her questioning that day. Both Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne denied any involvement in these matters, although Sarah Good claimed that Sarah Osborne had been tormenting the children. Yet Tichiba's bombshell testimony had done more than enough to ensure that this matter would not end quickly. If Tichiba's testimony can be said to have sparked the witch hysteria, it was Ann Putnam Jr. who fanned the flames to keep it burning brightly. Shortly after the March 1st examination of Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichiba, three of the first four girls who had said they were afflicted began to improve. The two girls who lived along with Tichaba in Reverend Paris's household, his daughter Betty Paris and his niece Abigail Williams, began to feel better, at least temporarily. 
The condition of Elizabeth Hubbard, another young woman who claimed to be afflicted, also seemed to improve. But Anne Putnam Jr., the daughter of Thomas Putnam Jr., a member of one of the most prominent families in Salem, continued to spiral. She soon claimed to see the specters of others, including Martha Corey and Elizabeth Proctor, and perhaps most disturbing of all, Dorothy Good, the four-year-old daughter of Sarah Good. By mid-March, Anne claimed to see another specter, this time of an old woman sitting in a chair in her home. She eventually identified the woman as Rebecca Nurse, a highly respected resident of Salem Village who was 71 years old. This was a critical turning point in the events. While witchcraft was seen as the ultimate crime in late 17th century New England, and there had been a number of people accused and even executed for witchcraft in the years prior to 1692, in most cases, these were accusations of one or two people at a time. Now, just weeks after the first accusations had been made, at least a half dozen people had been accused, and among them stood Rebecca Nurse, a woman known as a visible saint among Puritans, who by all accounts was an extremely pious woman, definitely not one of the usual suspects. We will explore the stories of Rebecca Nurse, Martha Corey, and other accused in future episodes of the Salem Witch Trials podcast. For our purposes now, it's important to recognize that just weeks after it began, the witch hysteria in Salem had already escalated into something unprecedented in New England. On March 27, Easter Sunday, Reverend Paris used his sermon to address these recent troubles before his congregation. He called his sermon, Christ Knows How Many Devils There Are. Our Lord Jesus Christ knows how many devils there are in his church and who they are, he preached to his congregants ominously. One can only imagine the sideways glances and averted eyes among the congregants as he preached, reminding them that even among Jesus' disciples, there was a devil. Reverend Paris also used his sermon to dress down one of his congregants, Mary Sibley who earlier in the month had ordered John Indian, another slave owned by Paris, to make what was referred to as a witch cake.
Perhaps ironically, the witch cake was a traditional English folk practice, often thought to be a kind of counter magic that could be used against a witch's evil. To make a witch cake, urine was taken from one of the so-called afflicted girls and mixed with rye or flour and sometimes ashes and baked into a cake that would then be fed to a dog. The dog was thought to be a conduit or a familiar who helped the witch engage in their magic. The counter magic from the cake was meant to fool the dog into revealing who the witch was. In this case, the witch cake proved useless, but when Reverend Paris found out, he was incensed, accusing Sibley of inflaming matters with folk magic. The witchcraft had not been an issue, the Reverend said, quote, until diabolical means was used by the making of a cake by my Indian man, who had his direction from our sister Mary Sibley. The die had been cast during this turbulent march, and in the spring and summer that followed, additional afflictions and accusations would take place. A special court will be formed, and executions will eventually be carried out. But it's only the beginning of this fascinating and tragic tale. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.